I'm Paul Musto, and welcome to Siemens Startups, a podcast series where we speak with startup entrepreneurs to gain insight on how they turn great innovative ideas into successful, profitable companies. In this episode, we are speaking to a company developing small-sized gas turbines, referred to as microturbines, leveraging metal additive manufacturing. As we will hear, these gas turbines can be used in various commercial applications, such as aerospace, drones, and even home and business space heating and cooling. My guests today are Roger Smith, CEO of Sierra Turbines, and David Laudermilch, Principal Lead Engineer. Before we begin, at the end of this session, please let me know what you think of this episode. You can leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or just email me directly at paul.musto at siemens.com. So now let's get into it. Thank you, Roger and David, for joining us. Before we get started, would you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your backgrounds? Yes, my name is Roger Smith. I'm the CEO of Sierra Turbines. I'm based in Silicon Valley, California. Prior to doing the startup thing, I worked for Apple Computer for 19 years. I'm a software engineer by profession. And after 19 years at Apple, I decided I would uh, team up with some great friends here to work on uh, this project. Very good. David? I initially started out as a mechanical engineer in the automotive industry in the Detroit area, but, but I moved to Europe quite a few years ago to work at, at Saab, the car company. Eventually ended up at Rolls-Royce Aerospace down in Berlin, essentially because of my NX competence when they switched over. So that's how I ended up in aerospace, funny enough. Roger, I have to ask before we get into this, writing software at Apple and now doing gas turbines is, is quite a leap. Is there a story behind that? Well, actually, you know, I, I'm, my background is software in the hardware division at Apple. So I've, I've been around hardware, you know, right, right into low-level control systems. So my, my role in this program is really working on the what we call the FADEC uh, to control the, the small microturbines. So software and the intersection with hardware has always been in my DNA. And after Apple, you know, after working on like 20 different programs over the years, I, I just thought it'd be different to get into something different. And, um, you know, these guys were working on on an interesting concept. So I thought, sign me up. That's really good. Yeah, I made a switch a few years back myself, and I found it really, really good and refreshing. So can you tell us a little bit about what drove you to start the company and, and kind of what the, the mission and charter of Sierra Turbines is? It was a team of folks, you know, some were working on improvements in the gas turbines, some were working on software, some, you know, uh, double E's working on embedded control systems. And so we, we just saw there was an opportunity. You know, we're not reinventing the wheel, but we're bringing expertise from industry, you know, from Apple and, and building great, insane products and Rolls-Royce from building, you know, great and insane gas turbines. So we, we saw it as an opportunity to come together and do something that uh, you know hadn't been done at this this level before. Is there a lot of competition in the microturbine field? You know, microturbines have been around for thirty years plus. Um, it's just that they haven't really incorporated, you know, the design methodology, you know, from folks who've worked at Rolls Royce. I mean, I, I'd be you'd be hard pressed to find someone that's developing microturbines today with NX. All right, so. As I said, we're, we're bringing our industry experience, which we think is unique at this level of the market. So that's a great segue into my next question. So what does make Sierra and your turbines unique? 
So one of the aspects of our design from inception, we knew we wanted to use additive manufacturing. We wanted to also incorporate, you know, several strategies in terms of edge compute capability, advanced materials, and design for additive, you know, using some of the modern software tools that makes this possible for a small team like ours. And where did the idea come out of? Where did the product concept come out of? At the start of it all, some of the original founders had been consulting, right? Again, you know, they, they came from working on large gas turbines and they were consulting on on these small, you know, micro turbines that a handful of companies had been developing. And it was at that point they realized how awful the existing technology was. So it's like, oh, we can do a lot better and build uh, better products for this particular uh, scale. So do you have a particular partner that you're working with for the additive part of it? And what are some of the advantages for our, our audience uh, around using additive for this application? It's been a long journey. We started down the additive path in, in 2017. And, and look, I mean, the aerospace industry has embraced additive for a long time now. So in a way, we started with typical Siemens approach of, of working with a company like EOS, and then we migrated to, to Velo 3D. So Velo 3D is our current partner. They're based down the street from us in, in Silicon Valley. They're one of the first metal AM suppliers that was actually able to print our complex geometry. You mentioned space. I've heard, you know, in prior conversations, you mentioned, I refer to Sierra Turbines as a new space company. Why don't you explain to our audience what you mean by that and kind of how it's relevant? <laughs> so every company is a new space company. They they don't actually realize that. But just parsing that out for a sec, I mean, our, our products, we use connectivity. So, you know, satellite communications is one aspect of, of what our gas turbines will utilize. But, you know, on, on a separate level, since 2018, we have been part of a NASA-funded grant towards commercialization of, uh, of the International Space Station. And so the particular domain that we're working under is advanced material science. So we can't really get into a lot of the nitty-gritty details, but, you know, microgravity is a unique environment for developing advanced materials that are just not possible terrestrially. So we have been fortunate to have been involved in an effort where we're processing, you know, high temperature materials in microgravity. So that does sounds incredibly unique. Is there anything more that you can share with the audience as to what that really means? Well, yeah. So, I mean, if you think back to the Columbia tragedy, right, we, we had what was essentially a the leading edge of the space shuttle wing, which was a carbon-carbon composite, was destroyed on launch and, and you know, on re-entry, it caused the shuttle to burn up. And so what I would say is these particular composite materials that we're working with, 30 years later, they, we can actually now work with these, we can do these additively, you know, we can manufacture them additively on orbit, as we call it. So these are ultra-high temperature composite materials that, you know, stepping back for a second, this is what the aerogas turbine manufacturers are going to, CMC, ceramic matrix composites. You know, one third the weight, 
of the superalloys, but also able to withstand temperatures in excess of 1600 degrees Celsius. So, so our turbine inlet temperature as we, you know, as we live or die by is going to be around 1600 degrees Celsius. Amazing. Amazing. So just shifting gears a little bit from a business perspective, uh, you started up Sierra coming out of Apple. Just for the people listening, what challenges uh, do you, did you face in the early stages of developing Sierra turbines? Oh, that's an easy one. So, you know, Silicon Valley is notorious for not really liking a lot of hardware startups. I think people looked at uh, what we were doing and considered it hard tech. Most of the culture in Silicon Valley is a social media app. So, <laughs> you know, we have multiple domains. You know, we have mechanical, we have aerospace, and we have some incredible software development. It's kind of hard to wrap, you know, for, for, for several people in the Valley to wrap your head around a company that's, you know, going to take on, you know, maybe even potentially Siemens right, in developing these gas turbines. Thank you very much, Roger. Uh, actually, one last question. I know that uh, the turbine has a particular name and it has a particular significance uh, to you. Why don't you tell our audience the name of the, the turbine and, and kind of where the, the name was derived from? So <laughs> it's actually pronounced Aurelius. And that was my father's name. You know, I, I grew up with a father whose name was Aurelius Smith. But it, we also take, you know, homage and, and uh, to that era of the initial gas turbine development where gas turbines had a name, you know, rather than the GE9X or the CMF56. And, and so, you know, one of the most iconic jet engines was the Olympus 593, which was basically the engine that powered the Concorde for over 23 years. Still to this day, its performance has been unmet in passenger aviation. So yeah, it, it's that was my father's name. It's nice that you can tie everything together, right? So let's shift to David for a second. I believe I might have misinterpreted your, your title, your chief engineer at Sierra Turbines. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background? I know you said Rolls-Royce and Saab. Can you kind of share a little bit more with our audience? Specifically um, aerospace-related, when I came to uh, Rolls-Royce Aerospace down in Berlin, essentially they were developing the 700 series engines, and I was working specifically there as um, support for uh, optimization of the combustion chambers and investigations of the lean burn technology. And so we're actually just trying to, to get that to work properly. And what we did there, I can't really go into a lot of detail about what uh, what they were doing at, at Rolls-Royce, but what, what we did do is we developed a really neat process of using what you might call like a massively parametric, robust, intelligence or models which describe large portions of the gas turbine. And in doing this, we're able to iterate more effectively, I guess you, you might say, just to, to, to use a generic term as possible. I can't really go into detail of what they were doing, but... This experience is it's not what led me to Sierra Turbines, but actually it's what I saw as um, an application. 
So we can use this same process in the design and the development of a microturbine. I guess maybe I wasn't, <laughs> I kind of segued off into something else, but uh, that's kind of, uh, that's my relevant experience when talking about Sierra turbines. I mean, in the past, I had also been an engineer for different areas of the automobile uh, design of the body structure was uh, something that I did quite a lot of, worked on a number of different platforms. But the last platform that I worked on was the final iteration of the Saab 9.3 sedan, which, uh, yeah, well, I guess that's been a while. <laughs> Seems like just yesterday. But yeah, I've designed all different parts of car seats, just kind of a mixed bag of things. And so therefore, you know, but mainly just structure related, right? So static structures, my, uh, my competence lies in the design of static structures, you could say, not necessarily rotative components. So um, there I require a little bit of assistance. So with the micro turbines, certainly re- reliability and structural integrity is, is a really high priority, right? So can you talk a little bit about the process that you go through to validate the effectiveness of the design when it comes to those elements? So that's an interesting question. I don't really know exactly how I can answer that really well at the moment, because right now we are moving towards validation as a goal of our design. So right now we're currently still designing the process, the process of designing our microturbine has been long and, and interesting. You know, we, we, we started looking at the legacy products in this segment, which are, are actually not very sophisticated. You know, if you look at the design of a modern gas turbine, you see a lot of differences. The additive, the benefits of using additive just opened up so many more possibilities for us that we we really needed to revisit every part of the gas turbine. And we're able to to reduce the cost and to also increase the reliability and reduce the complexity of the assembly. So we're really on a on a good path as far as reliability, but I mean, if I have to answer the question to validate the effectiveness of the design, I would say we don't have this engine on a bench yet, but we are very close. All of the the prototyping that we've done thus far validates all of our assumptions. We think we have we have a really neat product. Yeah, it's, it definitely sounds it. So, and I know you've talked about that uh, you've used NX in in prior positions uh, through the years. Can you talk a little bit what drew you to Siemens and and kind of why you prefer NX? I have to tell the absolute truth here. It is very familiar to me, but at the same time, I have used other CAD systems. I have used Katia version five, um, which is getting pretty ancient now, although this is still quite capable package. I've used SolidWorks. I also used some, I use IsomSurf for to do some freeform in the past. NX is that package that does everything very well. It is kind of, you might say, I guess you would say it's the aerospace standard. So you know that anybody in the aerospace that you're working with 
or power generation, which is kind is is where where we are looking to be. All of these companies are also using NX. It's just this integration between the design and the analysis, even for manufacturing. It's just so well integrated and highly integrated. It doesn't really leave room for uh, for competitors. I would imagine the surfaces on the turbines are extraordinarily important, right? And getting those absolutely really super accurate. I've heard from other people I've spoken to that that's kind of a standout capability within the package as well. Yes, it is. And that is actually quite a large part of why we, we needed NX because of the parametrics that you can build into these freeform surfaces. We use actually third-party software, which spits out initial geometries for compressors and uh, turbines and also so just hard numbers which uh, we need to to hit or consider in the design of our diffuser and also other parts of the gas path and then what we do is we we take this data and we can create it with an eye to uh, what i call a massive parametric approach which is essentially everything in the gas path in NX is the only software that I have ever used, which is which is able to do this robustly. So we were able to design a novel fuel injector that has a patent pendant on it, where it runs the entire annulus of the combustor. Dave, maybe you can chime in. You know, NX was really the only software package that could was able to really combust. Yeah. Well. You could make an annular ring with any CAD software, but we used a partner to develop the uh, geometry that's required within this ring to guarantee atomization of fuel. This has actually been quite a complex process, well outside of our expertise, as you can imagine. This is uh, quite advanced, but the geometry that we that that we get and the geometry that we needed to how do you say, integrate into our models and somehow parametricize it. The, the Siemens NX was the only software that could handle that. Everything else that we tried would crash. We knew that NX was going to be able to handle this. We've been trying to get our hands on an NX package for quite a long time. <laughs> we finally do, so we're really thankful. So we can move ahead. Thanks very much, David. I appreciate it. Uh, typically, I don't ask too many questions about uh, our products. We don't want to sound like a Siemens ad. This is all about uh, Sierra turbines. But I know that uh, you've had quite a, a history with NX and appreciate the kind words on the solutions. And uh, it's kind of inspiring to hear people, how they use our products, actually do these really complex things. So appreciate that. Uh, Shifting back to, to you, Roger, kind of what do you see in the future for Sierra Turbines? What do you see coming up next or in the next couple of years? We tell a lot of folks who, who ask, well, you know, you're doing material science. Are you a new space company? Are you, you know, we, we're building a platform so that we can address several verticals. We've never really spoken about it publicly before, but we're actually looking at turbines that can can run pure hydrogen cycle. So, you know, and, and material science to handle the hydrogen embrittlement. You know, we're also looking at material science that can run on supercritical, you know, SCO2 gas cycles. So, you know, we, we're our initial beachhead is really for the unmanned systems because 
We bring a lot of value there, pound for pound, kilogram for kilogram. Our initial product, a 20 kilowatt turbo generator, is 50% the weight, you know, because of the design for additive and our approach, it's a 50% weight of a competing product in, in this sector. As we go up the scale in additive manufacturing capability, you know, as we start to get to larger and larger platforms, we will scale our technology to larger and more uh, and, and higher output gas turbines. So, you know, a lot of the work we've done is really to build a base that we can address several verticals. So, you know, aerospace, uh, ground-based power generation, or the whole digitalization strategy of using advanced tools like NX is what will allow us to get there. So, so we do have, you know, several market segments that, you know, we, we intend to address. You know, the first one is to get this small turbine up and running on a bench very soon. And what's the first com- commercial application that you see that's this going into? So, you know, stepping back for a sec, yes. I mean, this is a lot of great tech talk today, but we are building, you know, some people refer to it as an APU, more commonly you know, it's known as a, as a turbo generator, but we're building a power source to replace heavy lithium ion batteries in unmanned systems. Right. And and to give you an example, you know, the best of the best, you know, we, we think, you know, Tesla has some very awesome battery technology, 200 watt hours per kilogram. You know, we're pushing past the 2000 watt hours per kilogram. So a 10x in, in, in power density. So even when you're burning the fuel, take that into account. You know, we, we are looking to replace batteries we're looking to replace fuel cells and some of the you know traditional um, two-stroke piston engines in unmanned systems. We think that that the battery technology is limiting for aerospace applications, and and you know our power generating source, a small turbo generator, uh, we think will will be that solution that unlocks you know applications that. In, you know, in, in the small unmanned systems arena and also in the urban air mobility, you know, the, the flying car business. And people think, oh, well, that's not happening in Silicon Valley. But a lot of the policy, a lot of the unmanned and urban air mobility development is, is literally happening right here in Silicon Valley. In fact, you know, one of those companies was featured on your podcast a while ago, Nautilus. So yeah, we we're starting small, but we're hoping to, you know, address those larger markets down the road. Yeah, you know, when looking through your website, I found it really fascinating that you mentioned all those applications, but one of the more interesting applications was just in like residential and and business office space heating and cooling and to kind of transform that industry in some respects. I speak a little bit about that. Backing up for a second, the traditional ground-based power generation applications. You, you, you take natural gas and then you, you know, emit CO2. So that seg- sector is going away. That's considered a legacy. So, so getting back to what I said a short while ago, hydrogen turbines, supercritical turbines. So that's more of the future space. So we're more, you know, we're more focused on future power applications where there's zero CO2 being emitted. And so Today, the, the ground-based power generation arena 
is going through a renaissance. And so that's where you're going to need advanced materials to be able to deal with different hydrocarbons as, as your fuel source. Mm. So stay tuned. I mean, that, that is one area that we are going to be a big part of as well. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, when you see kind of the more consumer-level applications, that's kind of a, a striking. What I always like to do at the end, Roger and David, if you have any comments, is uh, for you to share any words of wisdom, parting words of wisdom for the budding entrepreneurs who are listening today. The aerospace industry has been doing additive for well over a decade, right? The GE has had additively manufactured fuel nozzles. You know, they've, they've built over 30,000 of them and, and they're in, in use today. And so what was interesting is when here we are as a small startup, you know, talking about we're going to do additive, we're going to produce products en masse using additive. There was a lot of skepticism. The proverbial industry 4.0. I think we've tried all of the, the metal AM suppliers out there and Velo 3D was really the one that worked for us. The constant, oh, it can't be done. It can't be done. You know, you just have to power through, you know, and, um, you know, there was times when we, when we thought it wasn't possible. I mean, like Dave said, you know, we, we spent several years designed for additive. I mean, some of the tools in the past weren't, weren't, Capable. So again, you know, NX helped accelerate that. One of the approaches of design for additive, we actually had to move to the 3MF, you know, the, the 3D manufacturing file format to be able to do some of the things we did. So it, it was a constant here and it can't be done. And no, you know, you, you just have to tune that noise out and power through it. Because if I had listened to, to those, oh, it can't be done and no, we would not have been here at this point right so so yeah you just have to tune out the noise and uh get it done we hear that so often in our lives right uh i'm a little bit probably further on in years than most but you have a lot of people who are going to tell you no it can't be done and you just got to power through that and and persevere right well thank you roger and david i really sincerely appreciate the time and and also the relationship that we've uh, struck with you guys uh and we wish you all of the success uh that you possibly can come your way and I want to thank everybody for listening to today's podcast. At Siemens, we do understand that getting a startup off the ground is not an easy endeavor and understand the challenges of early stage startups. We are striving to help entrepreneurs turn their ideas into reality and meet their full potential. And we have many startup customers that are making a difference, and we are proud of every one of them. It is our pleasure to tell their stories and inspire other startups. If you have an idea for your own business and looking for a partner, visit us at www.siemens.com slash software for startups to know how Siemens can help you. This is Paul Musto again. Thank you for listening to our startup podcast. Again, please let me know what you think of this episode by leaving a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Or again, email me at paul.musto at siemens.com. We hope to have you in our next episode. And remember, innovation has no boundaries. Thank you. Thank you.